You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? My fellow fan holes, you've heard the charges brought against these three criminals. What say you? Guilty. 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 You will bow down before me, fan holes. You and one day your ass. Hey, what's up, people? This is Derek Crab, and you are listening to Fan Holes Podcast. And right around the time you should be hearing this, Man of Steel, the new Superman film from Zack Snyder, should be out. So in honor of that film's release, uh, we here at Fan Holes are going to be doing a all-Superman podcast tonight. Uh, real quick, we're going to be talking about, in the world of comics, we're going to be talking about Smallville Season 11. Uh, that's a web uh, comic, and it's also, you know, turned into print form as well, but we're going to be covering uh, our thoughts on the first two arcs of that. Uh, that'll be Guardian and Detective. And then uh, we're also going to be delving into some of the fan favorite Superman stories, so you'll get to hear from everybody on what some of their favorite Superman stories have been over the years. And then uh, we're also going to delve into uh, direct-to-video stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll just talk about, you know, which favorite direct-to-video releases we've had in relation to Superman. And uh, and then also we're going to talk about our favorite Superman villain, who is not Lex Luthor. So we just thought we'd get Lex out of the way, because we had a whole show where we talked about Lex Luthor rather endlessly. And uh, we'll, we'll delve into some other Superman villains that we, we are rather fond of. Um, just joining me tonight, so everybody knows who's here, uh, why don't you sound off, guys? Hey, it's Mike, Thunderwing. And Justin Grimlock. General? Would you care to step outside? Superman! Superman, thank God. I mean, get him! Come to me, son of Jarrell! Kneel before Zod! Okay, so yeah, Superman. I guess, uh, you know, the guys will have to hold me back on this because... You know, it's Superman, so if we start talking about Superman, I'm going to talk about Superman all goddamn night. 
So, uh, <laughs> so we'll just get right into it, and uh, we'll, we'll go into, uh, I guess, what everybody's been waiting for. I think we originally promised this as a as a someplace cold, but I think we're just going to cover it as is. You know, uh, we'll be critical or not so critical depending on whether the needs merit it or not. But we're going to talk about uh, Smallville season eleven. So you're saying I should become that hero and step into the light? Clark, you are the light. So Smallville Season 11 is a comic book series from DC Comics. It continues, it's the continuing adventures of Smallville, the television series, in comic form, pretty much. Um, It's written by Brian Q. Miller, and it's got uh, a different bevy of artists for the different arcs. Uh, Pere Perez is doing the first arc, Guardian. And then we're also going to talk about the second arc, Detective, because we've read both those arcs in total um, as of this recording. Uh, so that's what we're going to cover. And uh, Chris Cross and Jamal Engel are the artists on Detective. Um, just to throw it out there, guys, I mean, what what did you guys think of uh, Smallville Season 11 as a you know comic series, as a continuation? I was I was kind of prepared to like not like it because you know as we talked about on our Smallville show, like Smallville never really like sat well with me. But uh, I, I I didn't think it was like half bad. I actually like enjoyed reading it. What about you, Justin? Uh, I'm in the same book as, as Mike. I was fully prepared to like hate it and scorn it, um, but it was it, it wasn't bad. Like it was a good continuation of the show, I guess. Like you know, I only watched like select episodes, but I thought it continued pretty well. And like I I didn't loathe hating it. Like. I only read the first arc, like up to issue twelve, I think. I didn't get to read the stuff with Batman, but I okay. thought it was it was all right. So, um, just curious, because because you guys both had this kind of uh, predetermination about the the comic. I know we were kind of going into it, maybe thinking it might be a someplace cold topic. Um, but wh- like, what did you expect to see that you thought you would hate, and what did you see instead in in the first arc, Guardian, that maybe was was went beyond what your expectations were. I guess I expected, like, more, like, Superman just throws his problems around at the end (laughs) just to get rid of it. (laughs) Or, like, just more, you know, like, kind of, like, poor man's, you know, drama for a comic book. You know, even though, like, you know, it's a comic book, so it shouldn't be restrained by any kind of budgets or anything. Like, I was surprised to see, like, Hank Ken Shaw in there, because, like, I, I like that character. I think he's interesting. So I was kind of surpri- surprised to see them cover that. I thought it was a pretty cool follow-up. I mean, in terms of, you know, series that have been made recently, you know, not not to knock too many of them, but, I mean, there, there's lots of, uh, I guess, comic books out there that promise you continuations of things, whether it's, you know, a continuation of a television series or maybe, uh, you know, picking up a long dead comic book series from where it left off, you know, something like, you know, X-Men Forever, where they're saying, hey, we're going to we're going to do it how Chris Claremont originally intended to do it and that kind of thing. But in this case, I think it's so, you know, it's pretty fresh in people's minds and it's not so far removed from the actual 10th season of Smallville that you kind of read it and you go, oh, that's not what would have happened. It's almost like, despite, you know, 
budgets or getting certain actors back. Other than that, I mean, I could definitely read this as something that they would try to do for an 11th season of Smallville, you know, with the exception of, you know, things like you're saying where, you know, it's like Superman just doesn't grab Hank Henshaw at the end of the episode and, like, throw him into the moon or whatever because they don't have budget to do a real CGI fight. You actually get to see them kind of go at it for a little bit more than you probably would have on the television show. But for the most part, you know, I mean, you know, to me, it's kind of even even to the point where the things, the same things that annoyed me about the show, like, you know, Chloe, um, are still here in the comic book where I was like, oh, man, Chloe, I thought you and Oliver were moving to Star City. And it's like, <laughs> here she still is. Like, I got to set up the watchtower, you know, I got to turn off all the traffic lights and nobody gets hurt. Like, let's all hang out together. You know, and it's like, it's like, aren't we moving Chloe? And it's like, we're almost there. We just got to help Clark with this one last crisis, you know, and stuff like that, where you're like, Oh, go away, Chloe. But you know, I guess in some sense, that's a nice familiarity for people who were, you know, maybe just fans of the, uh, of the television show. And even me, it's, it's funny how being annoyed with Chloe is, it, it gives me a sense of familiarity with the, uh, the comic material, same way it would have felt had they gone on to do a, an 11th season. Like even, even the whole, like, I guess they have Lex Luthor in it too. And, you know, what, you know, they probably, you know, if they had made a, an 11th season of Smallville, they probably wouldn't have had Michael Rosenbaum as a regular or anything. But I, I find it interesting that, that, even though Tess Mercer, you know, died at the end of, you know, the finale or whatever, they still found a way to, you know, Battlestar Galactica her into the, you know, into the seven or the 11th season or whatever. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting too. Like Lex is now seeing her, you know, and ha- has to have conversations with her. And I was like, oh, they totally do this on like a television series as a way to bring back a, a series regular who was dead, you know, like that. That's kind of what I felt like. But uh. Uh, I have one question though. You know, like Chloe and Green Arrow find the Earth Two version of Chloe in the cornfield, uh-huh. but they keep they mention like they've encountered like Earth Two before. Like, did this happen on the series? Because I think... oh, okay, yeah, like Earth Earth Two on the series is kind of a reference to like the crime syndicate Earth. So there there was an episode uh, where. Uh, they meet, you know, basically like the version of Ultraman. So it was like evil Clark, you know, like who was raised by like Lionel Luthor or whatever. Mm. So like basically that was their version of sort of like the crime syndicate or whatever. So, it, you know, it seems like they're trying to set up this Smallville-esque version of, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths maybe down the line or something like that. But, you know, that's that's what that is. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely a reference to previous episodes of the the television series. So, yeah, I guess I guess I like guess. I expected it to be like another like yeah like another like like CW drama, but in fact it was closer to like an actual like Superman like comic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for the most part, like I I I think like in that sense you get to see a lot more of the uh, you know a lot more of the action and stuff like that than than you would on on maybe the television series, and then you know of course you've got different dynamics where it's like Hank Henshaw's going into outer space on the space shuttle and you know, they're they're you know, stuff that would obviously be sort of high budget for a television series, but you can get away with doing a lot of that stuff in the comic. Um in terms of its release, like I know it's 
basically this was sort of a, you know, an internet first release where, you know, they release it through, you know, Comixology and the, the web and stuff like that. And so that's how you get to experience it, you know, on a weekly basis where it, it seems like you're getting a third of the actual print comic. So, you, you know, basically like for, say, the first Dark Guardian, you know, if you go to the store and buy it, you're going to buy four issues of a comic book. But, you know, us here, we're reading it, you know, on our iPads or on our computers or, you know, whatever we're doing and stuff like that. And it's in about a format of 12 issues, you know, like 12 issues kind of split up and stuff. Um, did, did you think of it any differently being in that kind of, you know, that they were thinking of, you know, like for me, I noticed like reading it on my phone, it's like, I'm like, oh, well, it, it seems like some of the panels are definitely catered to like a widescreen stance where it sort of fits in my phone screen where they're like thinking ahead of things artistically in that sense. But did you have any thoughts on that one way or the other? Is that something you noticed or didn't notice? Or Yeah, I noticed it. I mean, I've read a few issues of uh, X-Men, like the digital version. Like that, those also had like specific tailored, you know, panels for like uh, digital devices. I, I could tell they kind of went same way with this. You know, it it didn't distract me. Or, you know, it's it's like kind of it's like we joked among ourselves. You know, it's like these are you know really quick reads. It's like I read those twelve issues in like you know less than ten minutes. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely like I I, I remember. Uh, you know, sometimes I say if you if you read uh, Brian Michael Bendis comics, you know you can't you can't bring those to uh, to the bathroom with you. You know, it's not bathroom reading material, you know, or whatever. And it's like, uh, you know, the Smallville comics are like ten times faster than even Bendis comics for me. I mean, you know, even even that they're you know I I, I understand the the logic that they're you know they're splitting them up into to chapters you know based on the, the comic breakdown where you know every three chapters is, is equivalent to one comic but still they read incredibly quickly like you can get through them like you know like you're eating you know m ms or something you know if you if you need something to read while you're peeing that's that's <laughs> what it is for, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, so I guess I guess Justin brought up, uh, you know, uh, a good point is, is, you know, one of the main villains of this arc. You know, I guess the main plot of the whole thing is, you know, Superman's just pushed Apocalypse out of the orbit, uh, you know, uh, in terms of the end of season 10 of Smallville. And so you've got Superman as a hero, you know, uh, going around Metropolis. He's now public operating out in the open and stuff like that. And uh, meanwhile, Lex Luthor is putting up these... Uh, you know, guardian defense space stations because of all the sort of fear and outcry over the, uh, you know, the near, you know, attack of apocalypse and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, one of the guys that is uh, approached to take the, uh, the this initial payload of the, the guardian defense space station up into orbit um, is Hank Henshaw. And if, uh, you know, if people are regular fans of Superman, uh, you know, that might be like a dun-dun-dun when you get to the end of the issue and they're like, and taking up the satellite is Commander Hank Henshaw. Um, it, because, you know, Hank Henshaw is, uh, well, you know, I guess uh, in the original Superman comics, originally him and his family were kind of uh, pastiches of the Fantastic Four. Um, and then they, you know, they went up into space and got all radiated and mutated. And it was, you know, it was kind of like the, the uber dramatic, tragic version of, 
uh, I guess, Dr. Impossible and all those characters on the Venture Brothers. You know, it's like poking fun at them, but like, oh, this is what would really happen if you got exposed to radiation in outer space. Like, you'd all go crazy and Superman would have to, like, stop you. Um, and so Hank Henshaw eventually, I guess, you know, becomes some kind of disembodied, you know, mechanical personality. And uh, he's the one who turns out to be the cyborg Superman in the reign of the Superman. Um, and so in this case, I mean, you know, they, they kind of play with the idea of Hank Henshaw becoming a cyborg Superman because they set up all these uh, sort of, I guess, LMDs or Superman type robots that uh, Emil Hamilton is constructing over at Star Labs. And so when, uh, you know, Superman tries his best to save everybody on the space shuttle because Lex fucks with it. And uh, and he gets most of the people down to safety, but Hank Henshaw is kind of like getting all crispy crittered, and, you know, as it goes back into or you know goes back into the uh, reentry and everything. Um, and then he ends up getting sort of you know ported over into this LMD Superman type robot. And you know, basically the kind of gist of it is, you know, Emil Hamilton's telling Superman, well, hey, uh, you know, basically. This guy has been, you know, transported into a body that's as strong as yours, Superman. You know, so it's kind of like, you know, they're trying to play with the idea of that, that he's a cyborg Superman, essentially. Um, but uh, you, you said you liked uh, Hank Henshaw a lot, uh, Justin. So, I mean, what did you think about the, the uh, small villain take on Hank Henshaw? Um, it, it was an interesting take on the character. Like, I kind of missed that, you know, Fantastic Four, you know, pastiche. Like, I always thought that was, you know... A, a fun take on that, but you know it. You know, I would be interested to see like where they go with that character. Like I would continue reading, you know, these comics. Like, you know, like I said, I didn't read like thirteen through twenty five, but like I, I will read them. It's like I didn't, I didn't expect to have like that feeling towards these comics. I figured I'd be like, yeah, hey, I'll read them and then I won't care about it anymore. But like I kind of want to see where they're going to take this version of the character. Like, is he? You know, are they going to try and do some kind of like a crisis event or like a some kind of like maybe a take on the death of Superman or, you know, exactly where they're going? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of plot holes and threads that they're they're laying down. But at the same time, like you can also sort of enjoy those that Guardian arc is a standalone story, you know, that kind of, you know, tells its own story. And, and for people who are fans of the television series, you know, they can keep up with you know, the characters that they're familiar with, like Lois and Green Arrow and Chloe and, and Clark and, and that kind of thing. Well, um, do you, uh, Mike, did you read Detective at all? Yeah, yeah I did. I read it. I read up to current. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, what did you, I mean, I, I was just curious, like, did you, did you, uh, what, what was your thoughts on their take of, of Batman? Because basically, like, Detective Arc, you know, the primary highlight of that is, and I guess in some ways, like, in regards to, you know, not having to worry about a television budget, you know, obviously here they also didn't have to worry about rights and licensing issues either, so it was fairly easy for them to introduce Batman into this universe without any, you know, legal repercussions. But uh, what, what were your thoughts on the introduction of Batman to the Smallville universe? I thought it was okay, but I thought his costume was really like busy as hell, like really ugly and like I, I don't know. It looked it looked sort of impractical, almost like a, like if they were trying to go for like what the TV show could have pulled off. Like I don't like that costume didn't look anything like like what the you know 
I don't know what was going on with the mask or anything, but it, it just, I don't know, it looked really busy and it didn't work for me, really. But otherwise, I thought, um, like, his appearance and, you know, Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Nightwing, <laughs> they they worked pretty well in the story. And it, it was kind of like, um, it kind of reminded me, actually, of, like, uh, world's finest, like the animated like version, like with the Tim uh, cartoons and stuff, like yeah, sort of, yeah. where like Superman and Batman have to fight, or and then they f- figure out each other's identities, and then you know, and when, and since it's like Superman's comic, like it was like more favorable to him, like yeah, well, this he, time around, yeah, he, so. he gets to sort of figure out you know, Wayne's identity right away, and and then he sort of reveals his own identity to Wayne later on and down the road and stuff like that. But uh, I, I kind of liked, I, I know you were kind of ragging on the costume. I, I, I thought at least it, it was a cool idea to, it kind of reminded me a bit of Batman Beyond, the way that they, you know, he used the red solar energy to sort of, the, the lamp was like his bat chest symbol and everything, and that was how he was kind of able to hold his own against Superman in a fight. But then the thing that I I liked about it later was it was used in, like, a positive reference. So kind of like the same way, I guess, uh, you know, for fans of Green Lantern, you know, the same way a Blue Lantern would augment the powers of a a regular Green Lantern, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting that, you know, in, in, in the middle of the heat of a moment, you know, it might be the dead of night, but he could also reverse... You know, you could change the solar output radiation to from red solar energy to, you know, yellow solar energy so that Superman could get all fixed up and everything. So to me, like, that just sparks a bunch of things in my imagination. You know, you could have them change it to, like, blue solar energy, you know, and then have Superman just go apeshit on somebody or whatever. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, like the fun, yeah, the functionality was cool. I just thought it was like an ugly looking like costume. Yeah, yeah, basically. the way it looked basically. What did you think about uh, what did you think about Nightwing's costume? <laughs> well, I was kind of like uh, I don't know. Like I know I read that like all like you know Stephanie Brown fans are all pissed off because that was originally supposed to be Stephanie Brown instead of Barbara Gordon. But like I, I don't know. I guess like you know it, it was okay. I mean. I guess thematically, I, guess the, I, I suppose I could see that that would make sense um, because you know, I guess you know, in terms of Green Arrow, you know, it was they, they had Mia on the show, and it wasn't like they went to Roy Harper or anybody right away. So it kind of makes sense to me that that Batman would also have a female sidekick. And if you're if you're going the Mia route, you know, it might make sense that they would go to. Uh, you know, do the whole spoiler, you know, route or whatever as well. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I just, mean, I just, I was just figuring maybe like, you know, since, uh, they, they probably wanted to play her off Lois or something. So like, instead of using like a Robin or something. Yeah. You know, you know, the one thing I did notice about that Batman arc though, and I, I, I you know, you could back me up on this or not, Mike, uh, but it seemed like, like as in, as in real comics, uh, the minute Batman shows up, it makes Green Arrow look really, really, really redundant. Like it was, it was <laughs> yeah, physically it, it, like it. Green Arrow had penis envy for Batman like the whole time he was there, kind of where it was like you kind yeah. of felt sorry for him because he's like, wait, I I'm pertinent. I used to be cool. Like I was cool, you know, type thing and stuff. It's true. He did kind of upstage him yeah. pretty much. I, I, I did. I did. 
I did. He made like a comment, like he was like, "You just used like a punching glo- a gl- a punching glove duct tape to an arrow," you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, I, I I guess their take on Batman was obviously heavily influenced by the Nolan films. I mean, especially you know the the way they tried to portray how you know his his bat voice worked, and and then especially the scene with with the Batmobile chase, like that was totally like reminded me of like some kind of Nolan you know, bat yeah, type thing. You know, I, I, you know, I don't need to spoil it for anybody, but you know, it was, it was, you know, it's one of those hair raising Batman scenes. And, you know, I mean, if you're a fan of Batman, I know, I know Mike said, yeah, the, the, it favors Superman, uh, you know, uh, favorably. But to me, I mean, I, I think Batman definitely gets a lot of really good moments in it. I mean, I'd almost say it was fairly equitable and done well. You know, they both, you know, they both get one-ups on, on each other and stuff like that. But it, it's kind of nice to see that, that the the combat, you know, the, the fight portion of it doesn't last so insanely long. You know, it's kind of like, okay, they have a skirmish, you know, but eventually, you know, it comes to the point where they're shaking hands and actually teaming up with each other and they're not at each other's throats the whole time. Um just, I guess, to, to go into it, uh, you know, and maybe, I don't know, Justin may or may not have some comments on it. I know he hasn't read it or not, but, uh, you know, the uh, the two main villains of the arc are uh, Mr. Freeze and the Prankster. So, well, I mean, it's one Superman guy and one Batman guy. I mean, did you have any thoughts on those, Mike, like how they were portrayed, or was that just kind of, you know, you were just going along for the ride and enjoying the story, or...? Yeah, I was kind. Of, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. I, I was kind of thinking like, uh, when I saw Mister Freeze, I was like, oh man, that would like never fly on the TV show. Like <laughs> that costume looks way too like you know high tech and elaborate and stuff. Like they wouldn't have the budget for that. Yeah. But, but uh, otherwise, you know, they they were both okay. I mean, I like I've never taken the prankster really seriously or anything, but he was pretty threatening in this. So, like he he got a lot of like good like you know. Uh, he did a lot of stuff. Like I, he really seemed like a mastermind and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked how they had some callbacks to Winslow shot and you know the toy man in that as well, because him and Prankster always seem to be, you know, at least akin to one another, you know, and 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 in that kind of regard in the Superman books. And um, you know, I mean, uh, for the most part, like I, I I've been enjoying the uh, the the Smallville season eleven. Like I said, I thought it was. Um, you know, it's a good representation of, of a continuation of a story. I don't feel like, you know, I'm reading something where it's so far removed from the original material that it feels like a brand new thing with just a label of the old thing, if that makes any sense. You know, kind of like, I guess, something like X-Men Forever or uh, the, the G.I. Joe Real American Hero thing that, you know, basically, you know, something where they're trying to say, like, hey, this is a continuation of a comic we made 20 years ago. And then you read it and you're kind of like, it's set like, you know, 40 years in the future and everybody's got, you know, I don't know, you know, sunflowers or something and you're like wait a minute you know hold on you know like it it actually feels like you know oh yeah this is a continuation it's kind of following up on all the threads that were laid in that in that season finale or you know series finale uh you know where you know you, you had superman in public and you had you know 
Clark and Lois and stuff like that. I mean, I even even you know they're trying to involve some other sort of movie type references. Like I, I thought the inclusion of Otis was kind of cool. You know, it's like Luther's got somebody there that's kind of his right hand man, and it's like oh, it's it's Otis. You know, like I mean, he's not quite this bumbling. <laughs> fool he is in the movies or anything but i mean it's it's their kind of smallville take on it where he's he's kind of you know an out of shape kind of foggy nelson type that obviously you know uh, you know in his own way idolizes lex luther and basically you know does his best to be the the best assistant he can be you know within his means you know so i i you know i think that's an interesting take on it and and you know, something that's, you know, interesting to watch. You know, I, I like the kind of little bits where he's like, you know, oh, oh, did you see the webcam fight? And he's like, he's like, oh, okay. So he's shown him the webcam fight between Batman and Superman. And he's like, oh, you know, uh, uh, pause on this, pause on this. And he's like, enhance. And he's like, um, sir, it doesn't, doesn't do that, sir. <laughs> it doesn't enhance, sir. You know, and like different things like that. And then he's like, oh, you want to see the fight between Green Arrow and Nightwing? He's like, no, but I'm sure you're going to show it to me anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I think that kind of interplay and exchange. Between I, I like when Lex made him, like, watch him while he was sleepwalking. Oh, yeah, and, like, yeah. when Tess was taking over his body. And <laughs> he, he was just like, okay, Mr. Luthor is now touching my face, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah. That's pretty so cool, yeah. I mean, I I think uh, you know for for let's say that uh, for for two out of uh, three fan holes, this was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I, I like reading Superman books one way or the other, whether they're insanely horrible like uh, Sir Walks a Lot Superman arc, or whether they're really good. You know, so uh, you know, hey. Uh, if you like Superman, uh, you know, definitely give it a look. If you are a big fan of Smallville, uh, rest assured it's a, a worthy continuation to the television series. And, uh, yeah, so, so check that stuff out. Um, like, like we said, you can read them, you know, you can read them online or you can pick up the print copies. Uh, the print copies now, I think, is on issue number, at, at least of this recording, you know, uh, you know, it's on issue number eight. By the time this is released, it may be, you know, way later down the road. I know they have two more big arcs planned, so maybe we'll learn more about, you know, what their version of Crisis on Infinite Earths turns out to be, and maybe, you know, some other, you know, Superman-type villains that are, are reimagined for Smallville. Happy birthday, Kryptonian. I give you oblivion. Burn! But yeah, so we'll we'll move on to the next topic here, which uh, is going to be fun for all of us because we'll get to uh, reminisce and, and dovetail into some different comics and stuff like that. Um, we're going to talk about some of our favorite Superman stories. So uh, I guess uh, I'll, I'll start with Justin since he hasn't talked in a little bit and, uh, you know, just kind of ask him, uh, you know, like, what, what's your favorite Superman story? And I'm sure there'll be a couple honorable mentions and we can all sort of reminisce and, and kind of, you know, talk about those. I don't know if I can pick just one like overall favorite, so I guess I'll have just like a bunch of like favorites. Um, uh, like my Skype avatar right now is a image from Red Sun, which is like a Elseworlds tale of like you know what if uh, the Russians found Superman and raised him, and uh, I always thought that was an interesting concept. And I remember getting this trade and being like really excited to read it, and it didn't let me down. I've, I've always liked Red Sun, like I, I thought it was. Uh, 
a really fun story. Even like <laughs> Comrade Batman and you know like <laughs> yeah. the the state is, is like trying to set up you know Superman with Wonder Woman uh, like to get them to produce super babies. I guess <laughs> like there was some some weird stuff in there, but like I thought Red Storm was really good. You know, it had like you know. Lex Luthor and like uh, an American Bizarro clone of Superman that was really yeah. kind of weird. Like, and then it was, I, I like Red Sun. It's one of my favorite stories. Like, I, I can sit down and reread it just any time. Um, I also like Morrison's All Star Superman. Like, I think that's a really good Superman story. And it's like, you know, Morrison's kind of out there sometimes. And this isn't like too far out there. I mean. It's, there are some ideas that are kind of out there, but it's more – I see it more as like a homage to like a lot of the old like, you know, 50s and 60s like crazy cookie stories of like, you know, Jimmy the Super Turtle or like, you know, any kind of like crazy, you know, Batman like as a mummy or something. Like that's, yeah, I yeah. see a lot of that in here, and it's like I like the fact that it – you know, Morrison writes Superman the way I always used to see him as like he's like – He's not just Superman, but he's like he has other talents. Like, and one of them is his intelligence. Like, Superman's very smart, and you see a lot of that where he's like, you know, he's got like a cosmic anvil, and he's doing like all this other like really, you know, far out there science stuff in like the Fortress of Solitude. Like, I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, I always enjoy that kind of stuff where he's he's hanging out with uh, the Doctor. Uh, what's his face? The Technicolor Trenchcoat Doctor. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, I, I always like that scene where, you know, to me, you know, I know everybody's always talking about like power levels and who can beat up who and everything, but I always, I always love reading that issue of All Star Superman because I was like, look, look, he's lifting four quintillion tons, you <laughs> motherfuckers. I'm gonna take that hundred plus Hulk, you <laughs> weakling. You know. So anyway, but I was like, quintillion. Um, but yeah, so I, I love that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, it, it, Morrison's definitely fun. Also, like just Jimmy Olsen turning into like like Jimmy Olsen Doomsday Boys, like yeah, <laughs> really bizarre out there, like fun <laughs> idea. Yeah, um, I'm sure like the rest of us will probably have this on our list, but I'll I'll go ahead and mention it. I like Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Men of Tomorrow. Like that's I know that's probably like the most lauded Superman story, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like this, but uh, I mean, it's it's highly praised for a reason. It's still a really great comic. Like I. I sit down and read it like you know once or twice a year or something like I enjoy it that much and then you know it's it's kind of like I don't know I said this one another show but it's kind of like when Alan Moore was on The Simpsons he's like oh your favorite you know superhero story is the one where I took your character and like you know did horrible things to his life like a lot <laughs> of like bad things happen and whatever happened to the man tomorrow like the one panel that always sticks out to me from that story is the one where like you know they're fighting in the Fortress of Solitude and like uh, Lana gets hurt, and you see like yeah. Age of Superman. He's like, "You hurt Lana," and then like he uses heat vision, and the bad guy's like, "Man, this really hurt." He's serious. <laughs> then, yeah, know. he's gonna fucking burn me to death now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think the thing that's great about a story like that is it just it it gives you chills. You know, like that. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I always love about like Alan Moore stuff, whether it's like stuff in Swamp Thing or you know even uh, you know the uh, uh, Superman you know Annual Eleven you know where he fights with Mongol and everything like that kind of stuff. It's like you know you just read it and you know there's lots of heady and deep kind of thinking. For, you know, what what was originally kind of, you know, fun Superman, you know, 
Jimmy Olsen Doomsday Boy comics. You know, that's kind of what was before Alan Moore. And so, you know, there were there were lots of kind of real layers put to it, you know, whether it's, you know, Superman yearning, you know, he's kind of like, oh, I, you know, Lana was always great when I was a kid, but when it comes to a real woman, you know, I love you, Lois, you know, I love me (laughs) some Lois, and, you know, it's him kind of talking to Perry White about that, and, you know, different things like that, so it's like, it's great. You make make it sound like, like Superman and, like, Perry were like, yeah, Lois, yeah, like, and giving each other high fives or something. (laughs) Well, you know, they're just, they're just kind of having a talk between men. But, you know, he's 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 opening up to, you know, the only father figure in his life at that point, you know, and and so it's just one of those things where it's, you know, they're they're two men talking about, you know, I guess what would amount to Superman's, you know, woman woes, you know, or whatever. But, you know, I don't think that was normally done. You know, in the older comics, it was more about what Lois wants to marry me. Okay, I got to come up with some crazy scheme of why Lois cannot (laughs) marry me, you know, and turn back time and, you know, eat a million hamburgers and, you know fly the planet out of orbit and all this kind of goofy ass shit, you know, but, um, you know, so it's like that, that kind of stuff. It's great. You know, him, him burning, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the lightning King or whatever from the Legion of super villains and stuff like that, you know, like all that kind of stuff is just pretty awesome. Um, you know, since we're already talking about it, I, I have a top 10 Superman list that's like way, way old, but, uh, you know, all those things I think are still current and, and relevant, and that's over on my uh, History of Comics on Film blog, so that's hocof.blogspot.com. So if you want to read, uh, you know, way more Superman stories that I think are cool, you could always go there. But, yeah, I think I think uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow is, like, the number one on that list. So I, I think it's pretty awesome. Um but uh, what, what about you, Mike? I mean, is there? I, I know usually, you know, you you come up with some like you know off kilter stuff sometimes, like from my point of view, because it's stuff that I don't normally think about. So I'm kind of curious to hear what what your kind of thoughts are on some favorite Superman stories. That bastard Justin like took all of mine. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you are no, you totally no, like, secret brothers, or are you just giving? Up oh yeah, out? we're we're like a hundred percent secret brothers. Like I was gonna mention every single thing he said. <laughs> Basically, I, and I was also going to mention Kurt Busiek's run, but no, I actually haven't read that. So. I think I think, like that. I think Kurt Busiek's run is actually pretty cool. Like I enjoyed watching him fight against uh, Arion because I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of a cool idea because here's a guy who is kind of like a mage and a mystic and that's obviously something that you know Superman doesn't deal with very well. So to me, it made a lot more sense. You know, and it also has sort of, uh, for, you know, fans of, of stories like, I guess, you know, X-Men stuff like Days of Future Past, you know, it does kind of have a tinge of that in the in the arc as well, where, you know, there's this kind of war-torn future because of what did or did not happen, you know, in the past, you know, so there, there's elements of that as well, you know, that, that I think people would be interested in reading. But yeah, I, I think that's one of, uh, one of the more better recent Superman runs, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I I really like All Star Superman just because it's it seems like it's something like it 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 doesn't like it it's not uh, what am I trying to say it's like you don't have to be like Morrison isn't ashamed of like Superman being like totally off the wall and stuff you know just like crazy ass stuff from like yeah like the the Golden Age or the, the Silver Age or whatever 
So like I I really appreciated that and like he, like I I love when when like the Bizarros are attacking and he's just like you know Lois here's the Christmas card I planned on giving you up but I had to use the back to write down a Bizarro antidote you know and, <laughs> and that always like cracked me up and like the the issue where like he and like Lex Luthor have to like there's like a jailbreak yeah. and Lex Luthor. And him like uh, and like he keeps like saving Lex's life, and Lex thinks he's the one saving like Clark's life. But you know that that always like made uh, you know uh, made me laugh. And uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta also give it to like Alan Moore's stuff. Like um, those are pretty like timeless, and you know uh, pretty essential to any like Superman like best of list. So. That's that's pretty. Like I said, I, I think Justin pretty much like cleaned me out. Pretty much, I I, I like Red Sun. I took too. your wallet. <laughs> you took my wallet. <laughs> I guess uh, you know. I always enjoy like reading Superman as part as a as part of a team too. So you know any any sort of like Justice League stuff and you know that what do you call it like Avengers Justice League was pretty awesome too. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, yeah, he definitely he definitely makes a good showing in that. I was happy with with how Superman was handled in that uh, crossover and stuff like that. Um, I guess I, I guess I could just uh, Justin, did you want to say something? I was going to ask you a question really quick, but yes. Um, I know you, since you you know you kind of joke you're like the old man of us and you were reading all these comics like back in the day like like what did you think of the death of Superman like as it was coming out I mean like was that like I, a, a I huge was kind of I was I was super nerd like I took it way way too seriously <laughs> like it was like it, to me it was like oh Superman's dying and I I bought all the comics and I had the little black armband and I wore it to fucking school like <laughs> I was super nerd about it like it was it was like you know kind of like a big deal I mean what what did I think of the comics themselves um, I mean, I, I was kind of into them. It's like, I think, like, for me, I think at that time it was like the triangle run. So, I mean, I was pretty much reading all those at the time. I think this, if I had to put it, like, if I had to rank everything, uh, you know, I love Tom Grummet. So, at the time, Adventures of Superman was, like, my favorite book because I liked his art the most. And then I think Dan Jurgens was always, like, number two. And it was only because, like, it depends on who inks Dan Jurgens. I mean, Dan Jurgens is usually always pretty good, but it's like, you know, it's always different if it's like somebody like Jerry Ordway inking him or somebody like Art to Bear. Like, they're both good, but it's like Art to Bear made Dan Jurgens' work feel a little more like Jim Lee, kind of cool, like, you know, sleek, straight lines, and, and Jerry Ordway made it seem like a little more refined and duo-shaded and kind of... It, 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 they both had different tinges to it, you know, and, and then, you know, and then sometimes you get somebody who, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, call anybody out, but there, there, there's sometimes people would ink Dan Jurgens and you'd be like, oh, that's not quite as cool as, as it could have been type thing, you know, but it's like those two guys I thought were the top guys. Um, and then after that, it was like guys like Jackson Geis and, uh, and then I guess the, to me, you know, uh, not, not to knock him too much, but I guess the, the, the lowest comic on the totem pole there was Man of Steel, which was, uh, John Bogdanov at the time, you know, and I always kind of thought he, he was very larger than life and kind of cartoony. And I never really, I, you know, I don't want to knock him and say like, Oh, you know, I don't want to be like a three year old on the internet and be like, his art sucks. Cause it doesn't <laughs> suck. It's just, it was never my thing. You know, I never got into it that much. Like, I think he, 
like in Panic in the Sky, it's like the person he seemed to draw the best was like the Captain Marvel because he looked kind of like the old Fawcett Marvel with like the you know kind of non eyes, you know those kind of black slits for eyes and the big white mouth that was just supposed to be his you know his shining teeth and everything like that. Like I always thought, you know, he seemed to fit better on on something akin to that. As opposed to, I guess, when they were trying to have him draw Superman all sort of hyper-realistic and stuff. Like, I never really, you know, that that was never my thing too much and everything. But, yeah, I mean, that that whole Death of Superman, Reign of the Superman, I mean, that was huge. I mean, you know, yeah, like, you know, I mean, it was on the news and all this other stuff. And I was already buying comics at the time, so it was like we were all, you know, I mean, you know, like everything else. You know, you, you, you maybe you grabbed an extra copy of it. I'm sure, like me, I, like, bought one and kept it in the poly bag. And then <laughs> I bought one and ripped it out and had the little poster and the card and, the, you know, like I said, the little black armband that I foolishly wore to school that day or whatever. You know, like things like that. Like, so... So, yeah, I mean, that was always, like, a huge, huge deal for me. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, as far as, like, other favorite type, you know, I could just, you know, shoot out a bunch of bullet points if anybody's interested in reading some Superman stuff. But besides, like, the action comics run that Kurt Busiek did that, uh, that Justin mentioned, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I kind of like a lot of stuff that Joe Kelly did. Um, especially like, you know, basically like a lot of the Superman comics post 2000, like, you know, the, I guess you'd call them like the new millennium comics, even, even Jeff Loeb, who, who I can't stand that much, but even Jeff Loeb's run was, was pretty awesome because it had like great art from, from Ed McGinnis, you know? So like, like you had, uh, you know, like the, it was like the Y2K Brainiac storyline. You had the, um, Emperor Joker storyline, which was pretty fun. And then, uh, you know, you had the, the, the storyline where he gets uh, infected with kryptonite poisoning and everything like that. Like, all those were, were all sort of triangle things that ran through all the titles, but they were all really, really solid, fun Superman stories, I think, for, like, new millennium-type stories and stuff like that. And then, you know, like, when I started reading Superman consistently, I think, was, uh, you know, during the whole Exile run, and that's when he you know, fights Draga and runs into Mongol and does the whole war world thing and all that kind of stuff. You know, things like Time and Time Again, like, that's a cool, you know, like, six-part, I think, triangle storyline. You know, uh, on my top ten list, I've got things like Panic in the Sky. Like, all those things are really good, uh, you know, post-crisis Superman-type stories. You know, obviously all the John Byrne stuff is awesome, you know, especially, like, the first time he meets up with Darkseid and fights with him, you know, things like that. Um the George Perez stuff in action comics, like I love Maxima. And so she's introduced in that, you know, the, the post-crisis Brainiacs introduced in that. Um, as far as like older school Superman comics, you know, like way, way old school. Um, you know, I, I love Superman 141. It's a, a story called return to Krypton. So that's a pretty awesome story. It's on my top 10 list. And just trying to think of, uh, you know, you know, they, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff that you can get like collected, whether it's in like Superman archives or uh, you know trade paperback and stuff. So yeah, there, there's a really fun trade I've been reading. It's called Superman in the Fifties, and it has a lot of like really fun stories. You know, I was talking earlier about like crazy stuff, like you know Jimmy the Turtle King and stuff like that. It has uh, some stuff like that in there. It's like collected from you know Action Comics, Superman, you know. 
Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah. There was some there were some collected stories from that uh, title as well, but uh, overall it's just like a lot of like fun cookie fifty stories that are you know worth checking out in my opinion. Yeah, I remember uh, when Batman Returns came out in the theaters. Uh, it was uh, uh, for some reason for me it was always a big deal to get like first appearances of characters, but I guess one of the ways they tried to facilitate that among collectors was they were like, oh, this is the first Silver Age appearance of a character or whatever. So I remember when when Batman Returns came out, I was looking for, like, Penguin and Catwoman stuff, and they were like, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, is, like, the first Silver Age appearance of Catwoman. I think it was, like, number 91 or 92 or something. Hmm. So I remember running out and getting that because it was like, and I'm like, what a weird, you know, like, what a weird spot to be, the first Silver Age appearance of Catwoman, but that's that's what you know. I forget. I think that's what like Overstreet or something says. You know, or it's like first Silver Age Catwoman is Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. So I was like, oh, okay. Are, Derek, are there any like Superman stories out there you would advise people to like avoid just because they're so horrible? Um, never. Do not avoid any. Su- no, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> You know, like, like I would, uh, uh, like, stuff that I, I absolutely, I don't know. Like, uh, the most recent thing that sticks out in my mind is, you know, the, the Sir Walks-A-Lot title, you know, the, <laughs> the, the JMS run. Like, I thought that was kind of lame. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like a lot of the, you know, sometimes, like, a lot of the recent stuff I get hardcore and grumpy on, you know, because it's like I, I just don't dig it. You know, I don't, I don't dig anything where you know, Superman has to fight the military or Superman has to, you know, like be enemy number one. You know, it's like, it, it doesn't, it, it's okay when it's like Iron Man on the run from like everybody in Norman Osborn, but it's like, I, I kind of don't like that when it's like Superman. It's like, you know, th- those kind of stories, you know, whether it's like, you know, the, the whole, you know, return to Krypton and that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I never really got into those those stories all that much um you know uh that that's the only kind of like recent stuff where i'd be kind of like dead set against it i mean all, all, all i'd rather focus on is i'll tell you one thing i i normally don't like mark millar and i know you brought up uh red sun and he wrote that as, yeah. as one of the superman stories you like um i would say that if you've never read mark millar's run of superman adventures which was the comic, you know, based on Superman the Animated Series, like, that's a really, really excellent run because it's, like, Mark Millar, but he obviously is filtered and edited by, like, an editor who won't let him do crazy stuff like (laughs) coke-snorting Youngblood members getting blowjobs from Wolverine and Cyclops or whatever. Like, no no crazy (laughs) shock value stuff is in it. You know, it's just a straight-up, you know, for kids... Superman comic and it's very smartly written and Superman is pretty smart in it and and you know it, it, it almost doesn't even feel like it fits with Superman the animated series because he should be running around struggling to lift up uh, you know uh, freaking uh, uh, marbles and shit going can't lift up this marble and then he gets like sucker punched by the parasite or something but instead you know it's like it felt like a, a nice well written uh, Superman comic. Um, so, so I would recommend his run on uh, the Superman Adventures, um, which I think starts somewhere in the 30s. I want to say, like, uh, but I, don't quote me on that. It might be the late 20s or something. But, uh, but I, I think that's a pretty 
good run. And uh, as far as stuff to to uh, stay away from, um, you know, I mean, I, I think Superman runs have lulls. You know, it's like I think I think you know, like if you were just to go through the post crisis stuff, I think like all the burn stuff is really great. And then you know, I grew up reading the Exile stuff, so I have a fondness for it. But I think there was a period there where it lulled for for a little while, you know. And and then you know when uh, when they were doing like the the engagement and the Crisis of the Crimson Kryptonite, then all the news stories and high profile stories, then it kind of got a big bump and a buzz where they were kind of really into it again. And then and then it kind of lulled off for a little while, and then the Lois and Clark TV series came up, and then they did the death of Superman, and then it got all this increased exposure. So then you had, like, the reign of Superman and all of that other stuff. But then, like, after that, then it got kind of, you know, out there where, you know, it's like the lulls were like, you know, stuff you might want to stay away from is stuff like Conduit and Massacre and, you know, like stuff that happened after that, you know, like where they were trying to recapture the hype where it's like, we did the death of Superman. Now we're going to do the death of Clark Kent. <laughs> I you know, that and, one. Yeah. and you're just kind of like, well, you know, is that like the, is that the worst Superman story I've ever read? No, but it's like, do I recommend it to anybody? No, you know, like that kind of thing. So, you know, I mean, I always thought, I always thought conduit, you know, Kenny Braverman was kind of funny, but it seems like he's, he's the prototype for every uh, wacky bad guy on like the first three seasons of Smallville, you know? So, but yeah, I mean, you know, so, but uh, let's, let, you know, like I said, if I, if I keep talking about Superman, <laughs> we are going to be here forever. So um, let's, let's go to uh, the favorite, like direct to video type movies. If it wasn't for you, I could have saved the world. If it had mattered to you, Luthor, you could have saved the world years ago. So this I'm kind of curious about. Is this just going to be a sweeping, like, all-star Superman thing, since there was so much love for the comic? Or, or, or do you have different views on the adaptation than you do on the comic? No, I was... Well, I was going to say, yeah, all-star Superman was going to be my choice. But I was going to say, like, I liked, I liked Superman versus the Elite, but I do agree with you that, like, the extra material added in kind of weakened, like, the message of the story. Yeah, that I mean that that's kind of my take on Superman versus the Elite. Like it kind of it it kind of sucks when somebody says, you know, uh you're not killing anybody, but then like five people have died by the time he gets to say that, you know, like I I thought all that stuff with Atomic Skull kind of weakened his his stance, I guess. I don't know, like for me, like in terms of power set, I think the the direct video I was the most happy with where I was applauding it was like the first like 10 minutes of Justice League Doom where, you know, the ace robot from the Royal Flesh Gang tries to punch Superman and Superman just grabs it and the whole arm like just rips apart <laughs> Akira style because I'm like, yes, that is how it's fucking supposed to be. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, but I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I appreciate the adaptation of All-Star Superman. I mean, is it as in-depth and 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 uh, does it cover every aspect of the Morrison uh, maxi series? Like, no. But I mean, it, it was a pretty good uh, adaptation. So I was well, I was gonna give an honorable mention to like Crisis on Two Earths just because I really liked Mark Harmon as Superman. So like, yeah, that was a really good portrayal of him. What about you, Justin? You got anything to throw into the uh, direct-to-video hat that we're we're tossing stuff into? I most certainly do. This time, me and Mike are not secret brothers. <laughs> 
I went in a completely different direction. My two that I chose, I went with Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, which I guess that's more of like a Supergirl tale, but um, I thought that was a really fun uh, direct-to-video movie, and I don't know how you feel about Superman, Batman, the you know the comic series. I know you don't like you know a lot of the Jeff Love stuff, but I actually like that Supergirl tale that they did. Like that got me into like buying Supergirl. Like I bought that, and then I went and bought like Supergirl the ongoing series, which Loeb kind of crapped out of like issue four or five or something. But uh, but I like that uh, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, and I really like. I was like, I suppose now that you mention it, I don't really like that whole Superman Batman like <laughs> series in general, you know. Yeah. But but you know, um, I also really like Superman Shazam: Return of Black Adam, and I guess it has more to do with like you know I like Captain Marvel, and just any time he shows up, I'm like, yes, Captain Marvel. You know, don't well, you call know him Shazam. I, but I don't re- I don't remember if we brought this up or not. I don't think we did during the uh, the Smallville thing, and I can't remember which arc it was in, but. Um, I think there was like a nod to uh, to Billy Batson in the uh, Smallville season eleven. Like there was a hmm. there was a moment where like some it was probably was in the detective run because or the detective arc because I think it was like inner gang terrorists or something had uh, had stopped this school bus and they were holding all the kids hostage and uh, and then like you can see on the school bus there's a little kid with black hair and a little girl with uh, brown long hair, and, and she's like, Billy, don't do anything. And and Billy's like, well, somebody's got to do something, and he's got, like, a Superman T-shirt on, and so he gets up, and he, like, stands next to the inner gang guy, and he's like, I'm melting you with my heat vision, and the, the inner gang guy's kind of like, ha, ha, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then and then you see him, like, like grunt, and he's, like, try, like he's trying to do it, where he's, like, Aah! you know, and, like, staring <laughs> at him and stuff. And, like, and he's like, okay, kid, this is kind of getting creepy. And then, like, right when he's about to, like, probably shoot the kid in the head or something like that, like, Superman busts in and is like, you know, hey, uh, you know, you're not supposed to be, you know assaulting kids and all this other shit or whatever but i was like oh that's that's a nod to i i'm like i would be interested to see the uh the shizzy zizzle zizzle zazam smallville version of uh captain marvel or whatever but uh yeah sorry i know that's total tangent but uh you were you were saying you liked the superman shazam uh uh video as well which which is a good you know it's a good introduction to uh to captain marvel for people and uh, i I like just Anytime like Superman and you know Captain, Captain Marvel work together, like you you've got my attention just because you know I, I like their interactions usually. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm always a fan. I mean, I know everybody kind of likes to to see them go at it and have big arguments over who could win in a fight and all that other stuff. And you know, <laughs> I think I think my favorite of those is the the whole that giant sized book, you know, Superman Shazam, where you know it's like Black Adam and the Sandman Superman, you know, that are teaming up against. Uh, Captain Marvel and Superman and stuff like that was a that was a great book. Cool. I guess I guess that does it for our, our direct to video stuff. So let's jump into uh, the the final topic. The final Superman topic for the evening is going to be favorite Superman villain who is not Lex Luthor. Bizarro, you despise me, right? Uh huh. Bizarro hate Luthor. Me do anything for him. Good. I mean bad. So uh, I'll I'll go back to to Mike again and, and see see what he's got to say in terms of Superman villains. 
Um, my favorite Superman villain who is not Lex Luthor would be the Electrified Manhole cover. First deployed by Deadshot, um, it it knocked Superman out in one hit, and uh, I thought that was awesome. I was going to go with a uh, handful of dust under Superman's eyes. <laughs> That's That was a close <laughs> second. See, so, so can we combine these two and just say Superman's worst villain is Bruce fucking Tim? How about that? How about that? No, but for, for reals, for real... Um, my favorite Superman villain, who is not Lex Luthor, is probably Brainiac. Um, I, I really, like, I guess, well, I guess to, to jump on Bruce Timm's, like, side this time, like, I really liked him in the, in the cartoon and stuff. And uh, I liked, I guess, the retcon version where he's, like, you know, actually, like, a Kryptonian computer. Okay. Instead of just, like, a random, like, uh collector of worlds or whatever alien or uh, what what's he supposed to be um from, i don't even from know from the planet kolu so yeah okay yeah. kolu yeah. <laughs> okay but, but i i thought that was a nice like twist like cuz uh, before that i had only known him as that like the funny guy with no pants and like you know <laughs> uh, on super friends or whatever so i guess you know, i, I guess was, for me like my my favorite version of brainiac is the the Ed Hannigan design version, which is the one that was the, you know, the superpowers action figure that kind of looked, I guess to, to layman, you know, he kind of looked more like the Terminator and stuff like that. But I was Solid yeah, Grundy want pants too. <laughs> yeah, I will say that, like, also, like, uh, to go with a comic portrayal, like, Brainiac really made an impression on me in, uh, what do you call, uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, too, oh, okay. like, takes over Luthor, you know, and he kind of, it's kind of creepy and stuff, you know, where he's like, Luthor's pretty much like dead almost, and he's just like animating his body or whatever. So that that always like creeped me out, and you know, the, I like the, ro- the more robot brainiacs, I guess, than like the alien ones or right. whatever. You know, I, I always thought like he was cool, and like I said, like the animated version always I thought kicked ass with like Corey Burton like voicing yeah, him and stuff. Yeah. yeah, whenever I read like Brainiac in a comic, that's the voice that I hear in my head. You are your father's son, Kal-El. Headstrong, foolish, easily defeated, and ultimately forgotten. Yeah, and like I and it, it always kind of reminds me of like Shockwave from Transformers and uh, ironically also voiced by Corey Burton. So like, you know, sort of like an emotionless like machine right, right. stuff. So like I always thought that was cool. So yeah, so Brainiac would probably be my my pick. And and I I had a conduit action figure and I thought he was cool. Hey, I I had the <laughs> conduit action figure as well, my friend. I I had all those Man of Steel Kenner action figures like that was great for me because you could have uh, like Superboy and Steel and the, even that Lex Luthor figure to me was like comic accurate because it was like right after Underworld Unleashed and he got his uh, whole uh, you know healthy body power up you know his uh, his uh, drinking his V8 Lex Luthor power up from Neuron or whatever you know where he was all fit and everything so yeah I, I liked all those toys those were cool what about so I guess no no honorable mentions then this time Michael not really. Um, uh, I'm just like running through stuff in my head. Uh, no, no, I guess not. Cool, cool. All right. What about what about you, my man, Justin? What, what do you got for uh, for favorite uh, supervillain of Superman's that is not Lex Luthor? 
I would have to go with the Bizarro. We rule now. Government of Bizarro. By Bizarro. For Bizarro. Bizarro, my unfavorite. My unfavorite. Bizarro is my Bizarro unfavorite. Am. Which I guess it's kind of weird. Like he he also has a funny way of talking, like kind of like Grimlock, but not you know, not that I like like pe- characters who conflate morons or anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I always liked the uh, Bizarro. I guess like going back from just you know the friends of like the Legion of Doom and you know stuff from cartoons. But I always like I always thought he was a good like weird kind of counter to Superman, whether he was. A clone, or from you know Bizarro World, which personally I prefer him to come from Bizarro World, you know the square-shaped planet where you know he's the king and you know everybody that pretty much follows his lead. There was a I don't know if Derek thought this was good, but I thought it was good. Uh, there was a good like uh, Bizarro comic pre-Flashpoint. I think it was Jeff Johns and Richard Donner from like the Superman movies where. Superman went to Bizarro World, and, like, Bizarro had kidnapped, like, you know, Pa Kent, and then, like, on Bizarro World, Pa had, like, Superman's power, so he could, like, fly around and, you know, do all this crazy stuff, and, you know, like, Bizarro had, like, his Bizarro Justice League, and, like, you know, it was all crazy and silly, but, like, I think that was, like, a three-issue arc, but, like, I really liked those three issues. No, no, what, speaking of uh, All-Star Superman and, like, Bizarro Justice League, another thing that always cracked me up when he goes to the Bizarro planet is when, like, they're like, where's Bizarro Batman? And he's like, oh, he am got shot dead by his parents. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that always uh, cracks me up. That's pretty funny. Yeah, no, I I, I love Bizarro. Like Bizarro is pretty great, and I I'll, I'll go to bat for Justin. Like I do prefer, uh, you know, whatever you want to quantify it as pre-crisis, Silver Age, Bizarro, or whatever the Bizarro that comes from Bizarro World. Because I, I I remember I was always I I think that that's part of it. Where like there there are some really cool things about John Byrne's run, but well, since he started back to basics type thing, it was always like kind of pulling tooth and nail to get any kind of old school Silver Age stuff in, and like as he, once he left the book and other people started trying to come up with either new ideas or, you know, just, you know, revisiting older ideas, you know, it's like, you know, somebody like John Byrne is like, I'm never doing a story about Jimmy Olsen, Elastic Lad, that's for (laughs) suckers. But it's like, soon enough, like, after he left the book, you know, Jimmy Olsen was drinking serum and, you know, stretching around like Elastic Lad again. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, all those things eventually sort of crept their way back into the mythos, you know, whether whether they intended them to be completely uh, expunged or not. Um, You know, I, I always thought that made post-crisis Bizarro a little confusing. Do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't yeah. so straight up. It was kind of like, oh, he's a clone of Superman, and then he doesn't have his own planet, and then he that clone gets destroyed, and then there's another one, and then there's the one from, you know, Jeff Loeb's alternate dimension, and all this other convoluted stuff, just so you could get a Super Friends-looking Bizarro with a little placard that says Bizarro number one, you know, <laughs> on the chest or whatever, you know, so you know you know who you're looking at or whatever. I remember oh, watching yeah. the Bruce the Bruce, the Bruce Tim like animated series and being disappointed that he was a clone and he wasn't from his own planet. But he he eventually like went to like some planet with like his version of like Bizarro Crypto that weird little like dog. Oh yeah, with, like, that little teeth. dog and everything. 
Well, I guess, I mean, technically, like, like if, if you go with the, the origins from Superboy and Superman, I mean, he was always a clone of Superman based on some hokey machine, but then eventually, like, Superman, you know, finds him a planet and, like, terraforms it and stuff, so it's like a big square, you know, and stuff. How that works, I have no idea. He's fucking <laughs> Superman. He's awesome. Fuck you. Um, but, yeah, um, but uh, w- uh, the other thing, too, was, uh, uh, like, Bizarro, I think, I don't know, like, like, it's just, like, he was always, like, funny because he would say, you know, I don't know, I always just liked the way he was always kind of ass backwards about everything, and, you know, even, even in the later, like, Silver Age comics, you know, he would have, like, these kind of ass backwards powers and everything, so, like, instead of having, you know, super, you know, super breath that would freeze people. It's like he would, like, breathe fire out of his mouth or something. And, you know, instead of, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, like, microscopic vision where he could, like, see things that were really tiny, like, his microscopic vision would, like, make people shrink and stuff. So, you know, it was like, there was always something kind of, you know, like, off and whatever. And I always thought that was kind of cool. Is there, uh, do you have any other honorable mentions for us? Justin, in terms of uh, Superman villains? Um, well, I've already mentioned him, but I'll just restate it. Like, I like Cy- Cyborg Superman. I, whether he's fighting Superman or whether he's, like, part of the Sinestro Corps and he's, you know, fighting Green Lanterns or whatnot, like... Okay. I don't know what it is. Like, I, it, whether it's, like, you know, he's just kind of, like, an evil Superman, but not really. He's, you know, he's cyborg or whatever like i i just like him i I like the character i think he's like visually appealing but i'll go to bat for him you just you just like the robot guys justin (laughs) like data and the vision and stuff yeah i think i think those those characters are interesting in the sense that like you can you can sort of kill them but then you can't really kill them so i was i remember you asked me what i thought of uh you know, death and return of Superman and all that kind of stuff. I, I remember one thing. I was like, I was like happy that you know when he finally got to the cyborg, he could like punch a hole through his chest and like he basically like vibrated him out of existence, where you know all the parts like dissipated and everything. But then it's like that still didn't kill him. Like what? Like you know, you're thinking <laughs> like you know because it's like well he's you know he's a machine and he's got his little you know just like Ultron you know there's a little sliver of his essence or like cell I guess or something you know that that can be sort of reanimated and you know I guess John's kind of made that kind of interesting where he, you know Cyborg's like crying all the time like please kill me kill me motherfuckers kill me you know, <laughs> and stuff like that and turned it into like some kind of uh, you know I guess character arc for the guy or whatever but uh, you know yeah I always thought that was kind of to me I was kind of like isn't this dude dead yet <laughs> like, you know like so yeah. Um, I, I guess for me, I'll, I'll I'll just go into my thing. I mean, this is probably pretty obvious given like what what some of my favorite Superman stories are. But uh, I I love Maxima. Like I think she's pretty awesome. And she you know she started out as a Superman villain, so that would probably I guess by default would have to be my favorite you know non Lex Luthor Superman villain. I mean, obviously she's got like a huge gigantic power set, you know, where she's got like super strength and telepathy and telekinesis and all this other shit. Um, you know, and basically her whole deal was, uh, you know, she, she wants a mate, you know, and she thinks Superman's super hot, you know, and that's the whole deal. And I was always kind of like, well, shit, if I, if I had this redhead who thought I was like super fucking hot, who was super fucking hot and wanted to take me back to her home planet and make me a prince or a king or whatever, I would be all over that shit. I was always like, Superman, (laughs) what the fuck's wrong with you, dude? Like, you should totally go. Are you refusing the royal throne of Almorak? 
Are you refusing me? Well, yes. Um, and so that's why that's why I like that annual where you know I guess once Lois I guess gets uh, gets you know dies during childbirth or whatever um, you know they they do a kind of alternate future story where he ends up exiling himself again to space and he stumbles across Almorak and Maxima and they kind of have a little happy ending together and stuff like that which has always been one of my you know favorite Superman stories and so I guess in that sense she's not so much a villain. You know, is she, you know, I guess maybe a reformed villain or something like that. But I, I've always kind of liked that thing, whether it be, you know, Batman and Catwoman or, you know, uh, uh, Daredevil and Elektra, you know, things like that. Like, I've always kind of dug that, and that kind of fits into that little cornerstone of, of, of weird, fetish, freaky stuff that I like. Um, <laughs> I, I wrote down a ton of honorable mentions just because I like Superman. Um, and this is probably stuff that people haven't thought of or maybe don't think of and if if you know what storylines these guys are from you know maybe they're they're things that i sort of am recommending through the villain as well um i already mentioned i really love the uh ed hannigan brainiac you know that's the superpowers design i think he's freaking awesome um you know i love i love uh um also in terms of another armor type guy uh joe kelly made his own version of general zod now as far as his origin goes like that's pretty lame why do you say this to me when you know i will kill you for it like his actual origin of who he is and where he comes from like that's pretty lame but as far as like the the, the visual design of the character himself like, the armored Zod from Our Worlds at War. Like, I always thought that was super fucking cool. Like, you know, and he shows up and he breaks Superman's jaw and, like, you know, is super badass and everything. Like, I always thought that was kind of cool. There's other guys, uh, you know, I know technically it's a it's a Metal Men villain, but uh, I've always liked when, uh, when Superman fought Kemo back in the Silver Age. Like, I always thought that that was, like, kind of a cool villain because kind of like Titano and stuff, like... He's, like, this huge, giant guy, and, like, you know, it's kind of cool to see Superman fight guys that are, you know, I'd say, you know, kaiju size or, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, you know, super robot size and stuff, and, and I always thought that worked rather well. And, uh, you know, Chemo's basically this big, huge container of toxic waste in the shape of a big kind of giant you know, see-through dude, you know, and so all this green sludge waste is always being, you know, blasted at people and stuff like that, and I always thought he was pretty cool. Um, I, you know, this is probably revealing all my secrets, so if you want to steal from me, you, I guess feel free to, but I, I know I thought of it first, so um, I like Bartox. Uh, he's basically like, I, I would say, like, you know, he, he'd be the type of guy that would show up as a joke on Batman Brave and the Bold, probably. Um, if I was ever writing, like, a Superman series or whatever, though, I, I would either try to, you know, lovingly put him on a Brave and the Bold type series where he was, like, Superman's, you know, Aquaman, but who started out as a villain or something, you know? Because he's, he's basically, like, he, he looks like Sean Connery in fucking Zardoz. Like, he has, like, a little <laughs> tiny vest and a little tiny, like, you know, G-string shorts or whatever, and he's got a big hairy chest. 
and he's kind of balding and he's got a mustache and everything. So he kind of looks kind of goofy, but the idea is he's, you know, from another race that's basically of the same power set as Superman. And he, you know, in the Superman comics, he was always like some kind of rival, whether he was physically fighting with Superman or whether he was like dating Lana Lang or, you know, like different things like that. Like eventually it got to the point where him and Lois and Bartok's and, and Lana were all going on double dates together and crazy shit like that. But to me, like, I would always want to make him like the Vegeta to Superman's Goku, you know, like maybe start them out as having like a really, really, you know, if I was to have Jim Lee draw something in the new 52, you know, I could have him redesign his costume and be super cool Jim Lee crap with like a collar on it or something and totally <laughs> awesome. But, you know, basically, you know, my, my idea would still stand where, you know, they, they'd really have a really just balls out, like really awesome, you know, Kamehameha type fight with each other. But eventually, you know, over the years, you know, I'd probably have him settle down and, you know, mellow out once he started banging Lana Lang or something like that. And like, you know, kind of do it along those lines. But that that's a character that I've always kind of taken to in terms of, you know, somebody who could go toe-to-toe with Superman but was more of a rival, and, and I think that would be kind of something fun to do. Um, and then I guess for, for another storyline that is associated with a villain that might be a fun read but may be considered a, a lull in, in terms of Superman arcs or whatever, right before the, the new Millennium arc, there was, uh, you know, around like 1999 – there was a, a big uh, storyline that ran through all the Superman titles where it was basically like King of the World type Superman story. And basically it was kind of like Superman going around deciding like, you know, everybody's got too many, you know, too too many nuclear missiles and all this other bullshit. And, and it was very, you know... Uh, you know, fascist kind of uh, utilitarian type Superman storyline where he had to fight with the Justice League and all this stuff. And basically you kind of find out through the course of the storyline that he's being manipulated by this guy called Dominus and, you know, all his machinations and everything. And I always thought this guy was kind of like a cool... He kind of looked like... Oh crap! I don't I don't know exactly what to say. Like if you if you know the character Master Dark from Valiant Comics or like you know he's kind of like this balding or you know bald kind of creepy looking dude you know who was very science fiction esque and everything. But basically like he he could manipulate like time and reality and different stuff like that. And he was basically kind of putting this kind of mental whammy on Superman and everything. And I thought you know the whole. You know, it was an interesting story, and I thought he would make, like, a cool villain if they ever wanted to use him on something like Smallville or, you know, in some kind of Superman property. Like, I thought he would make a cool uh, bad guy to to use and stuff. And uh, I'm just going to keep going because I wrote all this stuff down, so I might as well say it. Um, From Joe Kelly's Action Comics run, uh, two characters I thought were really cool were these guys called Gunshin and Biako. And uh, uh, they were supposed to be like, I guess, these kind of spiritual Japanese type bad guys or whatever. And I, I just thought they looked cool. Like, and, and you know, I, I thought they were kind of neat type villains. And then uh, I think Joe Casey also had uh, this weird instance where uh, Mitzelplik had been split. And uh, they, I guess they call them the, the Mixie Twins. And so I thought those were kind of, like, it was, I don't know, it was just an interesting alternate take on Mitzelplik, and, you know, it didn't last too long or anything, but uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. 
Like that's you know, and so I just wanted to mention those and everything. So I guess I guess that's uh, that's the Superman show. Unless anybody else has anything they want to wax poetic about in terms of Superman. Uh, hopefully, the Man of Steel does not suck, and we've all seen it in the theaters by now. Um, but yeah, anybody else have any uh, final thoughts on Superman before we move on to uh, awesome thing of the week? I was just going to say, I've been rereading Peter David's run on Aquaman, and there's an issue where, like, Maxima shows up, and she's like, Aquaman, he's like a king, and he's he looks all right. I'll make him my mate. And she's, like, you know, trying to get into Murray and whatever, and he's just like, what? Who are you? Go away. You're crazy. <laughs> like, into this big fight. <laughs> and, and, like, I think he has, like, a thought balloon where he's like, you know, it's bad enough I'm, like, married to one redhead who's crazy, and now i got this other crazy one trying to fight me. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of got crazy after a while, because it was like, once Superman turned her down, and then Captain Adam turned her down, then it was like, she was just going after anybody, you know, so. What did Captain Adam say? Was he like, lady, I'm made of tinfoil? <laughs> uh, I think he was He was already involved with, uh, the, the, there's a character, uh, Plastique is the villain's name, and then, uh, you know, I think her, her, she's like, she was like this French-Canadian terrorist or whatever, so it was one of those. Like, I'm a bad guy, but, you know, it was basically, like, Captain Adam's Catwoman, basically. You know, and, like, he in Extreme Justice, he, he was going to marry her. So it wasn't so much like he's like, oh, Maxima, you're ugly, I don't like you. But it was more like, oh, I'm already, like, you know, I'm in a relationship, you know, type thing. Like, I can't I can't be your, your uh, life mate or whatever, you know, so. Not very ladylike behavior, ma'am. All right, so uh, awesome things. Sounds good to me. Cool. Okay, I'll start. Um, uh, I've got two awesome things. Count them, two awesome things of the week. Um, I did get a uh, DC Direct uh, Starfire bust this week in the mail. Um, and, uh, you know, basically I'm just getting it because I like Starfire. Um, I like Red Hood and the Outlaws. And if anybody doesn't, then I'll know right away when they walk in the room. It's almost like a Linkara radar detector. You know, <laughs> I put it in my apartment, and if somebody walks in and starts giving me shit, then I know. I know. You know, it's like they, it's <laughs> like they'll they'll just pop right out in front of me. And, and <laughs> how dare you objectify her? What kind of person I, I'm dealing with? You know? So if if somebody has to say something, then I'll I'll know exactly where they're coming from. Um, so yeah, it will be very helpful in the future. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's cool. I mean, it, it's a good size. Um, it looks nice and, uh, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, you know, it wasn't too expensive. I got it on big bad, uh, toy store. Um, and they, you know, I guess they give a good discount for pre-orders and stuff like that. And I had some money in my PayPal account. So, so I got that. And then, uh, the other really awesome thing I got was a, uh, a Wacom tablet. And that's, you know, the tablets where you can hook them up to your computer and, you know, draw, you know, directly onto, uh, you know, different computer software and stuff like Photoshop or whatever. Um, I've been playing around with that a little bit. I did like one or two pictures and stuff and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe by the time this airs, uh, you know, we'll have some funky new, uh, uh, fan holes, title cards and things that I create with the Wacom because it's a little easier to, uh, you know, to make stuff for digital consumption and color it and stuff like that when you don't have to, you know, ink something and scan it and then, you know, do all this kind of coloring and shading on it. You know, you can kind of do it all in one shot. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's great. Um, I, I kind of find myself getting lost 
you know, it's like, you know how you start drawing stuff, and I don't know, I just get lost, you know, kind of like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was working on this for the last three hours or whatever, so, you know, it's fun for me, so uh, both those things are really awesome, and uh, th- those are my cool things, awesome things this week. Um, what about what about you, Mike? What's your uh, cool, awesome thing for the week? Uh, I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but uh, I I just got the Blu-ray for Halo Forward Unto Dawn, which was like the like little mini series they had on the web, like leading up to Halo Four. Yeah. And uh, what do you call it? the Blu-ray? Just arrived the other day, and I'm I'm look I really liked it, so I'm looking forward to watching it again. So and watching all like the special features and whatnot. I ended up watching a couple parts of that after you mentioned it. I haven't finished it or anything, but I, I did watch some of it. So. Hopefully. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Master Chief shows up like in the last like part, so that's pretty awesome. Awesome. Okay, cool. And he's and he's played by Colossus, the the guy who well, played Colossus in the movie. Yeah, Daniel Cudmore or okay. whatever. Okay, cool. I don't know why he kept calling the the girl Ileana though. Ileana. <laughs> oh, he's like Ileana. Does uh, does the Blu-ray have any? special features or anything like that? Yeah, it says something like, you know, behind-the-scenes, you know, crap with the cast and whatnot, <laughs> and commentary, you know. Awesome. Whatever. What about you, Justin? What's your uh, what's your awesome thing this week, my man? I watched an anime film called Children Who Chase Lost Voices, and uh, it, it was really good. It's The story is basically this girl who... She's kind of lonely. She spends all of her time like, running around in the countryside, like, trying to pick up uh, radio signals on her homemade radio and she gets involved in this big adventure where she goes to this underground world where supposedly it, you know it's like Hades of myth you know it's supposedly you can go there and bring someone back to life if you go through you know some kind of like ordeal or something but um, I, I won't spoil like the whole story but it, it's really good film it's got some really great animation and the story itself is, is very touching it deals with like the big thing it deals with is uh, death and loss, whether it's like you know a family member or you know someone you were in a relationship with or even a pet. Like it, it's very touching, you know. Like I think I even posted this on Bot Talk. I was like, you know, if this movie like doesn't tug at your heartstrings, you're probably dead inside. I was gonna um, ask you about that. Is it like is it like tug on your heartstrings like Grave of the Fireflies? Like I want to cry my eyes out for like the next two weeks. No, it no, it, it's not that bad. It would be okay. like you know, if you were watching like uh, I don't know, like a Disney film and something kind of like made you tug at your heartstrings. You know, like the, oh, okay. the opening sequence and up with like the man and the woman growing old. Like, okay. You know, like that always tugged at my heartstrings. More, so more like more like an awe shucks kind of thing instead of uh, like <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe your mileage will vary. You know, maybe you'll watch it and you'll be like, uh, <laughs> for weeks. But you know, I'm just saying, I Grave of the Fireflies was pretty freaking intense. So yeah. I, I don't. I'd want to watch something like that again. But no, uh. yeah, like one of my buddies was looking for that. Like he's not really a big. You know, anime person, but he, like he was actively looking for it a while back, and I was like, "You want to like rewatch that? I mean, it's good, but it's not something I want to like sit down and rewatch." You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So, uh, is this uh, is uh, 
Children Who Chase Lost Voices, is that from anybody that uh, that maybe anime fans might know, like directors or creators? Um, it was directed by Makoto Shinkai, and he also did a film called Five Centimeters Per Second, which is... I haven't watched it, but I'm told it's, you know, very good. But okay. Fans, genre fans will probably recognize that. Okay, cool, cool. Let's finish it. Very well. This world dies now. Okay, so I guess that wraps up the uh, the Superman podcast. Um, and those were our awesome things for the week. Um, you know, also, you know, you guys, if you have any comments or questions, if you want to send us some some uh, some of your favorite Superman stories or tell us that we're crazy for our choices on uh, what we like for direct-to-video and why your pick is better, you know, whatever it is you want to send to us, uh, you know, you can send us uh, comments on the blog spot. Uh, we've got a Gmail address, uh, fanholespodcast, gmail.com. Uh, we've got a Twitter page, a uh, Facebook page. Uh, Tumblr, and uh, just a quick shout out for everybody who always uh, likes our uh, you know releases, our podcasts, sidecasts, and everything on the Facebook page week after week. Uh, we appreciate all the likes and everything, uh, you know. So thanks a lot for those. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, until next time, uh, this is going to be Derek Derek WC signing off. Mike Thunderwing. Me am Bizarro. Hello, everyone. Hello. Bizarro say war, famine, <laughs> war, unpeace, <laughs> like war, man. <laughs>